Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Today, we wrap up with the last word of the four words we're going to discuss. And these words are critical and they build on one to the other. See, it starts with the truth of who God is. And inside of that truth, we find that God is every bit just, but he's every bit loving. And because of that love, there was this beautiful creation of grace. And now, because of that grace and the celebration, as Pastor Milt mentioned uh, in the service earlier, of the birth of Jesus at Christmas, we now have hope. Hope, that's our word today. Hope is the culmination, is the result of the truth of God, the love of God, the grace of God. That gives us hope. And what we'll find today is although all of us, in my conversations, and I've counted this today, people have used the word hope like 25 times. I hope this, I hope this, I hope this, I hope this. I get it. That's really not the kind of hope we're talking about here. So we're getting into this deeper version of hope, and it reminded me of a story. My son, uh, my youngest son, was five years old, and we live past the football fields. Every one of my sons has been in the car, went by those football fields, and said, Dad, when can we play tackle football? And I said, never. <laughs> Except for my last son. He's like, Dad, when can we play tackle football? And I said, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to sign you up. And I signed him up. And I'm, I'm super interested in what I'm interested in. Okay, and so I was interested in tackle football for little kids for a long time right now. And so I got the helmet. I got him the pads. I also worked on songs to listen to before games. Right, and so we're going to our first game and he's ready. And I'm like, son, and I'm pep talking him up. Vince Lombardi style, you know? We're just gonna go out there, you're gonna do your job, you're gonna, right, and we're talking it up, and he's, I'm like, you've got everything you've ever needed, it's all there, the only enemy you have is you, you know, it's all there, right? So we get out, he looks good, he looks real good. He's the best looking kid out there, his uniform fits right, I'm also kind of fancy myself a little, uh, pretty good at laundry, um, so I got the ivory soap out, and I cleaned his pants up, and it was white, Okay, and he's dressed nice, and he's ready, and he's out there, and I'm hitting him on his shoulder pads, and he's, he's, I have a picture of him before the game. He's focused. He's in the zone, and I'm feeling really good about this. You know what I'm talking about, and he, I'm like, son, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. You've worked so hard. Get out there. He's the biggest kid on his team. They put him out at this position called free safety. It's the guy who's the furthest back on the defense. It's the guy who, if all else fails, he stops it. We were playing a team. They look good. They look real good. Then you know what? As I'm listening to them, I'm thinking, those guys heard, had a different pep talk. I need to get some more. Those guys are angry. Those guys are different. They're not happy. They're not playing for fun. I feel like those guys, that guy may be a bouncer at a club. And that's, so I'm like, okay. So he's the running back. They hike the ball first play of the game. My son's out. Defense is called. He's in the right position. He looks good. They hand him the ball, that guy runs right up the middle, very angry, angry, that guy's angry. And he runs up the middle, and he, my son's ready, and it's time, and all of a sudden, oh my. 
son, son, he's moving, he's fine, he's fine. He got ran over like a truck, hit him. He didn't have anything for it. I, he comes over to the sideline after the guy scored a touchdown. I, he had a, a Nike print right there on his chest. Not really, but he could have. And so he's, this guy scores a touchdown, and my son comes over. I said, son, he sticks his helmet off. He says, dad. I said, yeah. He goes, what if that happens again? <laughs> I said, run. No, I didn't. But all day, that play happened, and guess what? He got run over. And every day he, he ended with his feet up and his hands up. And at the end of the game, he's five. He's getting a little dramatic. I don't blame him. I was getting dramatic too. He's just laying there after it happens. He didn't know what to do because we did the very best we could. I mean, there's nothing more we could have done to prepare for that game. That was just more than we could handle. And it knocked him on his back. And I've heard a lot of talk about, and it's so right, this year. But man, 2020, maybe some of you are like, man, 2018 was worse. You put whatever number you want on it, Pastor Milt said it, flipping that page isn't going to make a bit of difference. The question is this, what if it happens again? What if you are, what if you're as good as you could be and you're as ready as you could be and you're as prepared as you could be and it just all you do is you find yourself on your back again with your arms and feet up in the air going, what if it happens again? The question isn't what happened. The question is why. The question is what. Because maybe like you, you put it all out there in a more serious set of circumstances. Maybe you put it all there on the line and you gave it all you had and you were as ready as you could ever be and at the end of the day you realize you weren't enough. You found yourself on your back. You find yourself up against something you didn't even consider wasn't even there. The thing you were trying to solve come to find out it's way worse than you could have ever imagined. So the question is what Cam and I realized in a much smaller less serious set of circumstances. There's no hope in us. All the hope we can do, it's someday it's gonna find its end. Maybe you're still living in this wonderful reality that you're enough. Good, I guess, but someday that's gonna end. You're not enough. We're not enough, and someday we're gonna realize that maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe some things have happened in your life you had no control over. Maybe it's just like I was born here, I woke up here, and this happened, and man, I can't seem to get up on my feet. Maybe that's true. Or maybe you're the person who's sitting here today going, I'm here because I have to be. I've done everything wrong. The only way I could see my kids is if I go to church. The only way I could do this. The only way this, this, this. The only way I'm gonna stay married. The only way I'm gonna keep my job. The only way this, this, this. I've tried my best, and this is what keeps happening. Whatever your set of circumstances You're not enough. And whatever you're putting your hope in, that's the hope. And it's the most difficult message I've ever had to preach because I'm trying to take a word that you and I use every single second and paint it in a picture that represents its much larger scope of effect in our lives. Because we're not just hoping that we get the job, right? That's not the biblical hope that we're representing. When I hope in anything other than Jesus, we're wishing, 
right? We're trying, we're attempting to take circumstances and somehow manipulate them to our own personal benefit. I don't know if you had a chance to hear Pastor Seth's message last week about love. But I think he did a fantastic job of bringing in this idea that we say we love things when we're young, right? Like he said that he had this animal that he loved and then he had these action figures that he loved and then he had these activities that he loved, sports, which took him really far. But what he realized when his daughter was born and he showed a picture of her four minutes old. He said, the love that I had before was for things that benefited me, but this love that I had for this little girl was a love for someone who could do nothing for me. That's where I found true love. And see, because love makes grace possible and because grace gives us hope, that's where we find ourselves today trying to break out of this thought of belief that we're working in certain circumstances hoping they work out to our benefit. That if they don't, somehow represents defeat. It couldn't be further from the truth. But there's a process we need to walk through today. There's a way that we need to look at it, and we're gonna start in the Bible, but we're gonna have a thought, and the thought is this. Unshakable hope is determined by what you've put your hope in. Spoiler alert, there's only one way to unshakable hope. And it isn't through harder work, better version of you, more disciplined, those are very important things. But it isn't the genesis, it isn't the beginning of who we are. And if we're to have a hope that can walk into every 2020, every situation, every family crisis with this overarching ability to see the good inside of it despite the good or the bad towards us takes a little bit of a process. And it starts at a really easy target today. So we're gonna turn in the Bible and we're gonna talk about a guy we all know well, a biblical account of getting knocked on our back. And there's nobody that's done this more than Paul. Peter, 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 Paul, Paul too, but Peter more. <laughs> Peter, and we'll talk about Peter's denial of Jesus, right, the three times. But what makes this so catastrophic, and to understand the true depravity of the situation, we must also understand the denial of the denial. Denial's one thing, but adamantly denying that you'll deny is a whole other set of circumstances. If you're familiar with this story, you're familiar that Jesus was very pointed towards the end of his earthly ministry about the way it would all go. And he attempted with a lot of diligence to tell story after story after story of what would come. The extreme difficulty that they would all find themselves in in the name of Jesus. And then his encouragement was always to follow him. That he was like giving them an insider bit of information so that they could stand against and have hope in all the circumstances, but people weren't listening. They believed with their whole heart that even though what he was saying was true, that the true test of victory was personal fulfillment. That's how you know it's right. That's how you know it's good. 
But as they're winding down, and as Jesus has told parable after parable after story after story about the truth of who he was, he still didn't believe. And Peter was the worst. So they, in the, in the book of Matthew, they're done. They have just had the Lord's Supper. They're holding hands and singing a song. And as they walk out, Jesus says, you guys are all going to scatter and leave me. Peter says, in front of his closest friends in the world, he turns and says, I don't know what they'll do. Not a great way to win friends and influence people. But I'll never leave you. I'll never do that. They may, I believe they may, he might, I believe he might. But I never will. The book of Luke accounts it like this. Peter adamantly denies that he'll do it. And here's what Luke accounts. That Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Simon, Simon. Satan is demanding you. Some say asking for you, some say, but one translation says, Satan is demanding you, and my prayer, and Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Bad news, guys. Do not, you do not want that email. Satan is requesting to sift you like wheat. Boy, that's bad. If you think 2020 was bad, let me tell you something, you better buckle up. Satan, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, you don't even know, man. Satan is demanding to sift you like wheat. But my prayer is that after it's over, you'll restore your brothers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Your prayer should be that it doesn't happen. Your prayer should be for my personal peace and my affluence and my benefit. But no, what does Jesus say? He says, no, my prayer for you is that after it's happened, you'll have faith and you'll restore it in your brothers. So what is Jesus saying? Success, temporary success, hoping this works out, hoping this does. Peter says, Jesus, I'll go to prison with you. I'll go to the death with you. I'll fight whoever I need to fight for you. The book of John accounts it this way. It's where we're gonna spend most of our day today. John 18. As Jesus is arrested, Peter does grab a sword from someone and he lops the ear of a guy off. He's like, come on, this is it, I'm gonna do it. I'm all I need, I'm all I have. I have all the hope in me, I said it, I'm gonna do it. Name it, claim it, boom, ear off, sword in hand, let's go. Jesus says, stop, no. Jesus pleads for them to be released, Jesus is arrested and Peter does what? We'll read about that right now. Before the rooster crows, Jesus says, you've heard people say this before, I've been to places, Pastor Milton and I have traveled to Haiti together before, and I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of roosters crowing all the time, okay? I believe chickens are even crowing there, I don't understand how it works. There are a lot of roosters, you don't see them until you try to go to sleep, and then they're all over the place. The place is dead, there's not a soul in the city. 9.30 after you've worked all day, guess what? Woo, party time. Everybody's up, honking the horn, roosters, crowing all like crazy. I think it's really important that we understand that this is not just a story about Peter. This is a story about you and me. This is a story for us to get through it. This is a story left in here for us to account so that we can see the truth of who we are in it. John 18 
15 through 17. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since the disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at this door said to Peter, you, are, you, are also, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said what? I am not. Enough. Peter realized in that moment that everything he said, you know when you do this. Have you ever stood up, made a resolution, said you're going to do this? Maybe you're on the verge of doing that now. Maybe you asked for Christmas for, you know, nice workout clothes. Maybe you got some socks. Maybe some of you are like, hey, you know what I'm going to try? I'm tired of wearing those socks up to my knees. Can you all get me some of those athletic, low-cut socks? Maybe you guys are going to get super hip in here, and you're ready to work out, and you're ready to get fit, or maybe you're ready to, to say less curse words. Maybe you're going to be more honest this year. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. And hey, I'm for that. But maybe today, just like Peter realized, you've stood on you being enough and you're just going to be resolved to do it. And maybe just like Peter, you get to the first chance to do the right thing, to do the thing that's different than you normally do. And you realize what? I'm not enough. So Peter denies Jesus once. Now we move on to verse 25 through 27. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not enough. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, hey, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied it again and once, and at once a rooster crowed. For Peter, guess what happened? The world stopped. For everyone else, the world went on. For everyone else, that rooster mattered nothing. Roosters crow all the time. But for Peter, when he heard that rooster, he knew it was the truth of who he was. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been frozen in your failure and the reality that you've given it all you had and it isn't enough? And I know we're painting this very hopeless picture, but I want you to understand that it gets real hopeless before it gets real hopeful. And sometimes in our most hopeless is when we realize the desperate need we have for hope and not this just incremental, situational, I hope I'm better, I hope this works out, I hope the traffic light turns green, I hope my grocery bill's low enough, I hope, I, no, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this way to walk into things and go, how are you so happy? And you say, because I hope in Jesus Christ. But your mom has cancer, but I hope in Christ. But your wife passed away, but I hope in Christ. But your kids didn't come for Christmas, but I hope in Christ. But I can't get it right. I can't make enough. I can't, but I hope in Christ. Jesus never prayed for the situation to not happen. He prayed the endurance would prove their need for hope. He said, Peter, hey, Satan is demanding you, and my prayer is that when it's over, you have faith to restore others. Hey, the rooster crowed and Peter knew who the rooster crowed for while the whole world was just moving on because the world doesn't stop when we get hit. 
we get knocked on our back, we've done all we can do, the world doesn't stop. Six verses. Six verses chronicled Peter's denials. Six verses. And that's our things. Our things are small blips. We try to explain to people why we're so distraught and nobody seems to care because everyone else's life is just going on. But our life is there. But then, listen, after it got worse, it didn't just get bad for Peter, and Peter wasn't just stuck in the reality of who he was. I don't know whose water this is, but I think it's going to be mine. Peter, it was closed, okay? Peter saw what he believed to be in a typical Peter fashion, in a typical Jesse Hardy fashion, Peter saw his faults, failures, and inabilities to be the reason for what? Jesus' crucifixion. And listen to me. He was right. He was right. It wasn't those particular circumstances. Peter had done it a long time ago. But you have too, and so have I. This is not some allegory. This is not some story we look at and try to live a better life. It really happened, and Jesus really lived. He was delivered in that manger because of the truth of who God is and the love that exists inside of him. And the grace that he gave us meant that baby came in a manger, and it gave us hope. And the reason for that is because we put him on that cross. So everything Peter internalized, Peter was right about. Peter had every reason to throw away everything he believed. Peter had every reason to say, I'm a failure and there's nothing good because there is none in us. No, not one. Save Jesus. And he comes. And here's what he does. John 21, verse 15 through 19. The the disciples didn't know what to do. Jesus had appeared. He had appeared to them in a large group. And Peter was in the room, and he was in the back of the room, and Jesus, I don't know, it's one of those deals, you know, you're like, hey, was he mad? I don't know. Did he seem mad? I don't know. He didn't say anything to me. Do you think Jesus was mad at me? I don't know. You denied him three times. I don't know. So Jesus pops back in the room. He talks to Thomas, doubting Thomas. Put your hands in my, want to stick your hand in my side? Thomas, here I am, Thomas. But he never says anything to Peter. Peter's wondering what's going on. So Peter turns, and Peter Peter, I believe, has a crisis of belief, and Peter runs to the one thing he knows, like, I'm going fishing. He's like, I can do that. I can get this back on me, and I can get control back in my court, and I'm going to take, and I'm going to work harder. So Peter goes fishing. And after they've fished all night and I caught a thing, Jesus shows up. And Jesus tells them to cast their net, and they do. And a miraculous catch of fish is brought in. Peter sees it. Peter jumps, swims, and he finds Jesus who had fixed him breakfast. He didn't write on the blackboard all the things they did wrong. He fixed them something to eat, and then he asked Peter this question at the end. John 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus once again said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. 
And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. That means he was crying because he was emotional and he was a wreck and he was just wanting Jesus to make him feel better and Jesus was. And he says, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. What Jesus did was take it off of Peter and put it on him. And Jesus was reshaping Peter's framework for understanding this ministry he was being brought into. It's the same ministry you and I are being brought into. It's the same ministry Magnolias First exists to do, to engage every generation and become Christ followers. And this is what he said. He didn't say, do you, are you, are you feel bad, Peter, about what you did. Peter, you know that was wrong. I was right, Peter. No, he says, do you love me? In the same amount of times we all know this, that he denied him, Jesus restored him, and Jesus was preparing him to, again, understand that unshakable hope is determined by what you've put your hope in. Peter, you were never smart enough, you were never good enough, you were never able, but if you put your hope in me, then you will be. Unshakable hope is determined by what you've put your hope in. Then Jesus looked at Peter and he did this, and this is something I think you and I need to understand, and you need to go through, and we're gonna talk about it in a second, to grab an understanding. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And he said this to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, listen, he just told him, you're going to die a painful death in my name. The circumstances of your life will be such that you will have difficulty. It wasn't, hey, I hope it works out. No, God said, Jesus said to him this, he said, you are going to die a death on a cross, and he did. But then what does he say? Follow me. When you come to the end of yourself and you come to the beginning of Jesus Christ, that's where hope starts. And we have an idea and a perspective that the circumstances we're walking in, no matter how bleak, no matter how horrible, no matter how devastating, they have little to do with any victory. Because here, spoiler alert again, God gets the victory. Whether you acknowledge it or not, God is working in every situation through Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not just momentary manipulated hope. It's this idea that 2020, COVID-19, global pandemic, antichrist, this, that, the other, it doesn't matter. My answer is the hope of Jesus and whatever happens in that happens. It brings us to our next steps. Today, enter into the relationship Christ is offering. That is a universal thing. There are people in this room, I don't know, I can't see everybody, I don't know how to see if anybody knows Jesus. But here's what I'm telling you, if you don't, today's the day. I get it. This is not some offering just to get this life over with. This is a, an offering to make our life on this earth have meaning and purpose like we never could have imagined. It's a way that the things that we thought disqualified us, we see that God has already planned to use for good. 
And that all we have to do is accept that gift of that manger, of that baby in there, not just the knowledge of who he is and be smart enough, but a belief that what that baby did 30 some years later on that cross through the death and resurrection is a gift that I must receive into my heart. There was a number that was up there and you could text believe to that number and there is a pastor right now ready to respond and answer your questions. We're gonna move to the next one real quick. The next one is this. Hope in Jesus and trust him with the consequences. There's a relationship that's being offered I talked to the person who never knew Christ, but now I'm talking to the person who does know Jesus, has had a time, but you, you realize that you're not into the relationship with Jesus to the full extent that is desired. Truth is, you're not happy. You're trying to meet some list in some way to get qualified to do something, and that's not the way it was intended at all. The question is, how much longer are you gonna work on you being better you being stronger, you being smarter, you being good enough, and when are you gonna say, I don't know, but I'm gonna walk in this situation and do the things I know to do. Love God and love people and let the consequences of my hope fall to the one who they fall to anyway. Hope in Jesus and trust him with the consequences. It's not blind faith, I'm not saying, hey, today go, you guys put blindfolds on and start walking around your house, truck. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying let's look at the circumstances and stop putting our personal success as a measurement for its success and start to see how is the kingdom benefiting from what I'm going through. You'll find out one thing very interesting. Our hope isn't at the mercy of our circumstances, but the circumstances in our lives are at the mercy of our hope. And we get to take something back, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. And we get to say, man, I'm walking around with all of this and what I'm gonna grab this year, I'm not gonna grab a better version of me. I'm gonna grab less of me, more of Jesus, and I'm gonna walk through and see what that looks like. I'm gonna walk through and I'm gonna see what does it look like if I walk into a circumstance and I say, what if I'm not the center? What if there's something greater going on here? My son, football player, we drive by that football field every day, nearly. He told me the other day, he said, Dad, you know what my favorite thing about football was? I couldn't imagine what it could be because it was not a great year. And he said, my friends on the team. He said, I think it's important. This is, I'm not, this, I'm not making this up. I think it's important that even though I get hit a lot, I get back out there and I play because I like being around them. I think there's something there. Because what if it isn't about what benefits us and what we're good at? What if it's about just getting out there and doing exactly what Jesus said? What's the greatest commandment? It's love God and love people. How do I do that? When do I? You better be doing it when I come back. Because it's not about how it works out for us. It's about who we hope in. Unshakable hope is determined by what you put your hope in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity that brings us together. 
Oh man, it's been a rough one and we certainly didn't like it. But I don't think you ask us to. But there's something better out there than just a better version of me in this year. There's something more, more purposeful, more, more meaningful, more substantial, more eternal than who I am. So God, I pray, would you take the people in this room, the people watching online, and would you give us the resolve to do nothing but hope in you, not just, but that it would be the mantra, it would be the calling, it would be the saying of our day. It would be the repetition of our heart that in every circumstance we say, nope, don't hope it's better for me, hope God is glorified. And let me tell you, God, that we would see that in every case when we do that, whether we do it or not, you are. And that you're inviting us into something great and powerful and meaningful. That we might find our hope in you and not in ourselves, not in anything else, so that our hope may be unshakable no matter the circumstance. And that circumstance would no longer dictate our hope, but our hope would always control the circumstance. So we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys very much. Happy New Year.